mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 8. We're going to be beginning in verse 13, but I always like to do a little bit of review to bring us into i know it's somebody goes no you just want to teach it again okay good we're teaching it again to bring us into uh what the discourse is about if you remember we're in the uh really the closing of the feast of tabernacles one of the feasts light is a big uh thing that happens it could have just been turning morning also uh because they had brought the woman to him uh, in the beginning of chapter 8, it could have just been becoming morning, but we are brought into memory of the fire at the fire that God was for them at night, and then He was a cloud during the day in the wilderness, and that's really what the Feast of Tabernacles celebrated. They would look back on God giving them shelters. I mean, the, the Jewish people still celebrated today the Feast of Tabernacles, and they will put their uh, little tent out in the yard and where they look up at the stars at night, and they're supposed to tell their children of the things that God did, the testimonies of God, because this is all about being a witness. And you need to understand that we, we are called to be witnesses to all peoples, no matter who they are, no matter what they say. They might say, I know Jesus, but listen, you're still supposed to be a witness to them, and you don't even have to try. Listen, if you're just walking it out, following the light, walking in the light as he is in the light, it's automatically going to be a witness to the rest of the people. If you're living and looking to be faithful, to live a life of faith for God, it's automatically going to be a witness. It, it doesn't, you don't have to do anything like, oh, I need to do this so that I can make sure that they all get saved. All you have to do is live a life for Jesus the life of faith, the just shall live by faith, the just shall walk by faith, following the author and the finisher of our faith. In fact, you know, let's just turn there and look at this at Hebrews 11. Um, a life of faith, Hebrews 11, is the hall of faith chapter. And I want you to just to see this. I know uh, uh, it's, it's not in the text, but it's in what we're talking about right now, being a witness, Right? Because witness is used many times in chapter 8. I don't know how many times, didn't look it up. We're getting ready to talk about witnesses. What are the witnesses? Jesus said he's the light of the world. And they said, you bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. See, everything's about a witness. We're in a grand courtroom giving testimony. And all you have to do is live by faith. But faith without works is dead faith. Look what he says here in chapter 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Well, what does he say? For by it, verse 2, the elders obtained a good testimony. You want to have a good witness? You want to have something good to talk about? You want to present your body a living sacrifice? People see it? 
as you walk by faith and you uh, live for Jesus. Now look, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Remember last week we talked about the light of the world. God spoke and said, let there be light. This is what they're saying right here. By faith, we believe that God spoke and framed the heavens and the earths. Now, notice this, though. Uh, excuse me. Well, let me finish that. Uh, which are uh, framed the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. We talked about it last week. Bera ex nihilo. God spoke and created out of nothing. Bera. We get the word bear out of nothing. But no, now notice the testimony by faith, Abel. What did Abel do? Now listen, listen, listen. It wasn't faith, how I believe in God, but it moved him to do something. What did he do? He offered. Watch all these verbs that pop up that faith causes. If you have true faith in God, you will do something. Faith without works is dead faith. So by faith, he offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained a witness. This is what we want to understand, a witness and a testimony, because his actions, what he did, he was righteous to God, testifying of his gifts, and through it, being dead, still speaks. He's speaking right now to you and me by the power of the Holy Spirit that his faith moved him to action, and he offered to God, he obeyed God what God had said to do. Now look again, just in case you miss it, by faith, Enoch was taken away, God did something, so that he did not see death. Because when you live by faith, you're now going to follow the light. And if you're following light, what do you reap? You're going to reap life. If you keep following darkness, what are you going to reap? Death. Because there's a law in the universe of reaping what you sow. And if you keep sowing to the wind, you will reap the whirlwind. But if you live a life of faith in God, you will walk in the light as he is in the light. And then you have fellowship of one another, and his blood cleanses us from all sins. And then we'll just have a natural witness. But notice, Enoch, it says in B, and was not found because God had taken him, positional you and me, for before he was taken, he had this witness, this testimony that he pleased God. Wow, how does that happen? Then he tells us, verse 6, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe, pistio, trusting him with all their spiritual well-being, that he is, first you've got to believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Notice the action. Notice the action. He had a testimony that he pleased God. Why? Because he walked with God, if you go back and read the text. And God, said, God took him. And he rewarded him. He took him to heaven. Now, verse 7, what happened? By faith. Substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You're obeying God without receiving the reward yet because you believe God. You trust God. The just shall walk by faith. Look, what, what did Noah do? He was divinely warned. Have you ever been divinely warned? How do you divinely warn? Only, only, the only one that's divine or divinity is Jesus, is God, is the Holy Spirit. Then the Holy Spirit tells us of sin and righteousness and judgment, that we're sinners. The only way to be righteous is through Jesus, and one day there's going to be a judgment, right? And then when we believe that in our heart and confess it with our mouth, that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. 
Listen to me. So Noah was divinely warned that there was going to be a flood, two floods in his day, a flood of evil and a flood of water where God brought judgment with the water. He was divinely warned of things not yet seen, what God was going to do. Listen to me. If you're reading the Word of God, you can see what God's getting ready to do. You can see what's coming. You'll be led by the Spirit, walking in the light. You'll understand that things. You won't be surprised by what's going on in the world. You won't be surprised by the, 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 the great delusion that's going on. Because God gave those over to delusion that would not believe the simple truth of the gospel. Well, what do you mean, Greg? Well, they're letting same-sex marry each other. They're saying that there's no specific gender. Isn't that delusion to people who are awake? And they're saying that the people that are awake are the ones that are asleep, and the ones that are in delusion, they're the ones that are woke. Listen to me. We need to wake up. This is from God. He even says he'll bring a famine for the Word of God. If you, if you don't understand why you're not reading it, then maybe you might want to say, God, I don't want to starve to death. I want to grow spiritually. I want to know what you're doing. I want to hear your voice because my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. There's an intimacy and there's a following, being in the way with. Listen to this, what Noah did. He was warned about things that were coming. They haven't been seen yet. And what did he do? See the word moved? Listen, he moved. He acted upon what he heard. There was evidence of his faith because of the works that he did afterwards. He was moved with godly fear. That's reverence for God. That's, that's esteeming his word and what he's saying and what he's doing of great importance. He prepared an ark. Why? Why did he prepare it? For the saving of his household. We're in God's house. By which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness according to faith he inherited life listen he inherited life but what did he do with his witness as he walked about building that boat for 120 years it condemned the rest of the people that wouldn't listen see our witness should be condemning to others you don't have to tell them god's going to burn you you're going to be like toast that's not even funny Listen, just live your life and it will be a witness to others that there's something different, that God's going to do something. It gives you a voice to open your mouth. It doesn't mean that you don't just speak the word of God to people. I pray every day for opportunity to share the word of God, to lightly salt people, as we might call it. But what is lightly? Define that for me. Somebody define lightly for me. See, lightly to you, put, just put a little salt on there. Might be just, did it? To somebody else, lightly could be a little bit further. So you have to pray for all people and you have to be led by the Spirit of God and trust God so that you can have compassion on some, but others you save with fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. So you have to be used in that moment as you're going because we're being led by the Spirit of God. But it's by faith and faith, you can witness faith. You can see faith. It's evidence of things not seen, but you can see a person that's living a life of faith because they're going to be different. They're going to be doing things because of the future, not because of what's happening right now. They're, you're going to go out and give the gospel to other people 
not because of what you can do or what reward you would get, but because of what God can do when you shine light in their face, when you shine light in their darkness, and it just naturally divides. Those that want more of the light, they'll draw to the light. It's a work of the Spirit. But you can go, look, what, look all the way through it. Verse 8. There was an inheritance. Did you see that with Noah? Verse 8 says that Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. Listen, have you heard the voice of God? Are you obeying the voice of God? We're, we're blessed. We have this all written down. 66 books by 40 authors that we can actually read and draw near and ask God to help us. And then we can hear his voice. We can see. Oh, wait a minute. I, I, wait a minute. I'm not. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe I'm not living by faith because that's not what I'm doing. Uh, if this is what it looks like, then wait. I better check myself before I wreck myself. I need to be doing what these in the Hall of Faith did, not what these in the Hall of Fame did of the world who rejected God and they wanted to be famous for themselves and they wouldn't accept that God is the famous one. He's the one we're lifting up. He's the one we're witnessing about. He's the one we're living for. He's the light of the world. See, there's a lot of things that's trying to tell us they're the light. This is the way. This is where you go. Here's the path. Come in. Turn in here. And it leads to death. There's only one path that leads to life. And that's a relationship with the light of the world. What is he going to get you to do, Greg? Oh, he's going to get you to sit down and eat the bread of life to spend time learning about truth because light is purity. It's holiness. It's truth. It's the word of God. It's a person. He's the light of the world. It's God who created us and spoke into our darkness and he wants to wake us up. And yet we still sleep in so many ways. We still sleep in the Christian church today. I was thinking about it earlier because I think, um, no other reason, uh, <laughs> think of all the things that they tell us is true in this world and i was liking it to this listen because they start off with a lie so they end up with a lie if you don't start with light you can't end up with the truth if you don't start with truth you can't end up with truth but it's like a scientist all these scientists all these books are written by psychologists sociologists scientists all these people that say that they're the great minds of the planet and it's like they never turn the light on in their laboratory. They've been running around for days and weeks and years and a and, and hundred years maybe. And, and, and they've never turned the light on in their laboratory. So you know what they're doing? They're moving around in the shadows and in the darkness. And some days are a little brighter than others. And even a blind squirrel can find a nut but if he scurries around long enough. And so some days are a little brighter than others. But all you have to do is turn the light switch on. Hey, quit walking around and bumping into everything. Hey, quit walking around and guessing. Just turn on the switch and you can see clearly. Well, how do you turn on the light? You have to come to him. You have to humble yourself and admit that you don't know the truth. How do you turn on the light? You have to surrender. You have to say, I believe, I trust, Holy Spirit, teach me. But that's not a one-time thing. 
That's an every day the rest of your life thing. Because what happens is, is the flesh wants to trick you. The world wants to keep tricking you. The devil wants to keep attacking and keep telling you that tom- you are right because you already said a prayer. Now tomorrow you can go live any way you want. No, 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 no. Every day Paul said, I die daily. Daily. Why did Paul say I die daily? Because he knew that he had the propensity for his flesh to get up and to begin to live according to his own strength, his own wisdom. He wanted his peers to accept him. But that's not the gospel. See, if you walk around and you live for Jesus, it condemns the rest of the world. It shines light in their face to where they understand that one day there's going to be a judgment. One day they're going to need Jesus, and they need to decide now to surrender, deny self, take up their cross daily and follow after him, to follow the light of the world, or there's only one other path. It's all darkness. It's all darkness. So you just wanted to teach on that again, didn't you? Uh, Just a little bit. So have you turned on the switch? Have you turned on the light? See, you can't do it by yourself, but you can ask God. He has to be the power. He has to be the might. He has to be the one that does the work. We're going to see now. Let's look back at chapter 8 again. Let's look at some religious people who have been walking around in darkness. They've been bumping into things. And the land of darkness has seen a great light. And they're going to stay in their hard hearts. They're going to argue with the light, the king of glory. They're going to argue with him. And they're not going to see, oh, let's go to one more place. Revelation 21. They're not going to see what those who surrender and humble themselves see. Look at this. Oh, my goodness. Talking about the new Jerusalem. Our mother. The new Jerusalem. 21 Chapter 21 of Revelation, it's uncovered here, talking about the new Jerusalem coming down. And it says in 22, 21, 22 of Revelation, but I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Verse 23, look at this. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it. Why, Greg? For the glory of God illuminated it. Really? Yeah. The Lamb is its light. Look at this. Look at this. It's amazing. And the nations of those who are saved, delivered from their sin nature, shall walk, live in its light. And the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor to it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night. There's no more darkness. Listen to me, because there there is those out there. Rob Bell, I won't mention any names. There are those out there, Rob Bell, I am not going to mention any names, but they're heretics, liars, and deceivers, and they teach universalism, and they teach that everybody one day will get in, and what do they do? They use verses like this that says there's no gates, so everybody can come in freely. Listen, this is after Oh, this is after everybody's been judged. This is when everybody's been cast into hell in the abyss. There's no more darkness. There's no more enemies. You need no more door. 
You don't need to put anything up. They had gates on a city to keep the enemy out at night. You don't need to close the doors anymore when it's already finished. You can't use this verse to say everybody gets in eventually, and that's what they try to do. Not true, not true. This is after judgment. You don't need to shut the doors because there's no more darkness. There's no more night. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, I have my own theory. Listen, I have my own theory. I, if we spend a little bit of time, I could probably prove it out. Listen, I believe everybody's name is written in the Lamb's book of life at the beginning. Everybody. And then you make a free will choice that you don't want to walk in the light. You make a free will choice that you like darkness. See, the light shined in the darkness, and they could not overwhelm it. They could not comprehend it. They could not extinguish it. We already said in John 1.1 or 1.4. And so God begins to blot out names. See, if his will is for everyone to come to the saving knowledge of his son Jesus, and he's going to give his most prized possession and his blood to save everybody, wouldn't you put everybody down? I invited everybody. I invited everybody to the wedding supper. Look, I got everybody's name that's ever been born in this book. Oh, but they, they had a cow to go check on. Oh, they had a job to go do. Oh, they liked their sin too much. Oh, they had other things going on. They didn't want to walk by faith. They were going to do what they wanted to do. And then one by one, even though it broke the heart of God, because he's a just God, he begins to mark out the names. And then the name will not be found in the Lamb's Book of Life on that day jesus is the light of the world are you following him yeah but i still got a few things to work out no 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 are you following him have you made a commitment are all your eggs in one basket no matter what whether i stumble you know the wise man stumbles seven times but a fool's falls by calamity that means a fool, he stays down. A wise man, even when you stumble, you get back up. A wise man falls seven times. It means you keep falling. You keep falling, but you keep getting back up and you keep running a race. But are we even running a race if there's no forward motion in our lives? If we're still hardening our heart and we would rather listen to what the world says than the light of the world says. Listen to me. It's very important. Back in our text, we're going to read it again. We're going to read... Um, 8.12 of John, the gracious gift of God. Then Jesus spoke to them again. See, they were interrupted. He's doing this discourse in the, in the treasury. He's speaking to them, and they interrupt him by throwing a woman down and saying, let's judge them. Let's judge their sin. And he throws a woman down in his midst. And then you know verses 1 through 11. And then he finally says, go and sin no more. I don't condemn you. But change your mind. Change your direction. Well, how do I do that, Greg? What Jesus says here. He wakes you up. He wakes you up. Listen, the Spirit of God speaks to you. Remember, we looked last week. The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of God is, there is liberty. There's freedom. I forget what that was. 1 Corinthians 3 or something. Sorry, do I have it? 2 Corinthians 3.17. 
Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So the Spirit of God speaks, and He says, I am the light of the world. I'm the truth. I'm the way. He's going to do five more different um, I am statements referring to be God. You know what? Do you guys know that these people were not confused? When He said, I am, they knew exactly what He was talking about. They knew He was claiming to be God. They knew what He was saying. And some of them believed, and some of them didn't. I am the light of the world. Who, who, he who follows me, this is going to be the life of faith. This is going to be the evidence. When he speaks into your darkness and says, I am the light of the world, what do you do next is the most important thing you'll ever do. Not, not I said a prayer with the pastor, not I went forward, not I bowed down, but what did you do? Was you moved with godly fear? and prepared an ark for the saving of your household? Did you go out? Did you do and follow where he was leading you? He who follows me, who's in the way with me, will not walk in darkness. We turned on the light. Listen, sometimes the light comes on, and you got to keep searching. You keep reading. You get into the word, prayer, and fellowship. I understand. I believe, but help my unbelief. And you keep getting into the word. You keep drawing near, and he draws near to you. They won't walk in darkness, but what do they reap at the end? They have the light of life. The light of life. Verse 13. The Pharisees therefore said to him, this is the Pharisees, I remember the separate, separated ones. They had their own little religion going on. You know how sad it is that, that we're once again doing it? I'm sorry, I, I, I want to read this to you, but, but, I, but I look at it and it breaks my heart. That once again, we're doing the exact same thing that the scripture tells us the Pharisees and Sadducees that the nation of Israel did. That the Lord of glory stands before them. And they harden their hearts as the day of rebellion. They were repeating what their fathers did. They were repeating what happened in the wilderness. And we're repeating what happened as Jesus walked the planet. Oh, if I would have seen Jesus, I would believe now. No, listen to me. It's not true. If you can't believe today, you wouldn't have believed then because it's a spiritual thing where the Spirit shines in your darkness and you choose to follow or you choose to do what you want to do. And if you only say a prayer and never know action by faith, then that's false faith. It's not saving faith, James tells us, because faith without works is dead faith. It's no true faith at all. If it doesn't turn you around and move you toward God, it's not real faith. It's culturanity. It's a false faith. It's demonic faith. See, the demons believe and they tremble. They never turn and do anything else. They never move any other direction but the way that they already are confined to because they followed the devil. So they're confined to that direction. But we don't have to stay there we can move forward and go onward and upward and forget that which is behind us and press on toward the higher call of God in Christ Jesus. And then one day we will die in Christ Jesus, whether given up the body or the rapture. And if we die in Christ, what happens? We reap eternal life. But if we die in darkness, what happens? We reap eternal death. It's a really simple gospel. So you can't say, I believe, and then never follow 
never react to it and stay like these Pharisees who are given witness of their heart because your very actions will give a witness of your heart. Jesus said it, epigenosco, you can tell a tree by its fruit. What fruit is going on in our lives? Not what kind of clothes we wear, what, not what kind of t-shirts, not what kind of books we read. What is the fruit of the life? Is the fruit changing to love? Because love is the image we're going to eventually be if we believe in Jesus. And it looks like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Galatians 5, and 23. Now think about this for a minute. You don't have to be perfect in each of those things in order to know that you're saved, but there should be evidences of new life. There should be fruits that lead to repentance. There should be a changing of the mind and a changing of the guard that Jesus begins to guard your heart from the world instead of you using the things of the world to guard you from the truth and protect you from following in the light. Faith. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now let's read. It's verse 13 of chapter 8 of John. The Pharisees therefore said to him, listen, they said to the Lord of glory, you bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from and where I am going. You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. And yet, if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. Then they said to him, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. Then Jesus said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself because he says, where I go, you cannot come? And he said to them, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins if you do not believe that I am. You can scratch out the word he. You will die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Verse 25. Then they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I have been saying to you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. Then, or excuse me, 27, they did not understand that he spoke to them of the Father. Then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things, and he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things which please him. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Father, we give you praise and glory, and we ask you to help us understand this witness. Help us to understand and not harden our heart as these have. 
but help us to receive this light. Help us to receive your payment for our sins. Help us to receive your son Jesus and to walk in the light as he is in the light. Thank you for saving our souls. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before I take off any further, I want you to know that when I preach and when I teach, I also understand that there's people that are not saved that are listening because we live in the age of apostasy. So sometimes people think they're saved when they're not really saved. And I, I've, been, I've actually been, uh, uh, people chastise me for saying stuff like that. But Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And I know that many people will come and warm their hands at the fire and they join a good church, but, there's, but, but the church is not teaching the word of God. So if, you're, if, if, so if a church is not teaching the word of God and the people can sit there week after week after week after week, do they really have the spirit of God if they won't get up and walk out? We talked about this the other day when I talked about Andy Stanley, who said it to his congregation, one of the largest what we would call evangelical congregations in the nation, he said to them, just because Jesus believed it doesn't make it true. And we should have, it should have sounded like a, a wilderness there. We should have heard all the chairs turn over, the doors bust open, and everybody flee the building, and you didn't hear anything. Listen to me. So to me, I believe as a preacher, I cannot assume that anybody's saved. Now, because I, 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 I can't judge eternally. That's between them and God. A person could even get saved on their deathbed. My calling is to teach the text that is before me. My calling is to speak about what the truth is. And, and listen, if I'm counseling you or talking to you or we're one-on-one, -on -one, I might speak totally different and tell you that the fruit of your life doesn't prove that you're saved. It doesn't mean that you're not saved. I don't know. That's between you and God. But I'm just called to teach the text. And in this text, we see that Jesus is speaking. Where is he speaking at? In the temple in the women's court, in the treasury, in a place where you would think everybody's coming to worship, everybody must believe in God, everybody must be saved. And in fact, the very people that are arguing with him don't even believe in God. And they're the ruling authorities. And they have walked clear away from God. They're not even listening to God. They've made up their own religion. And the Lord of glory stands before them, prophesied, talked about when he would come, everything about it. And they're waiting to kill him because of their own pride, their own power, their own pomp. They want to keep doing what they're doing in their own religious system. And they judge that his light is not right, but their light is better. Their way is better. They make this judgment. And their very witness that they give us off the pages of Scripture is that they went to hell unless they changed their mind sometime before they died because they're arguing with God. Listen, you can reason with God, but if you argue with God, you will always be wrong. You can come and say, Lord, but I don't have the, Lord, but I can't, but Lord, wait. But he'll always reason you and move you in the right place. But listen, these people are arguing and eventually they won't kill him because many people will say that, eventually Jesus will go and lay down his life for the sins of the world. Nobody took his life. They didn't kill him. At any time, he could have said, nope, not doing this. 
he laid down his life obediently to the Father who was leading him. The same way he leads as an example for you and me to do. That by faith we would trust God and that God would come up with the results. All we do is go out and be a witness to the rest of the people watching. But remember, as Noah did, as you walk by faith, you condemn those who are not just by your very actions in life. Listen, these judged that he was not the Messiah and that he needed to die. What say you? Oh, I know, we're sitting in a church. They were in a church. They were in a temple where everybody came to worship God. And yet they had been led by the teachers to believe a lie. And they end up, remember, triumphal entry? You guys remember this? The triumphal entry? On the very same day, at the very same moment, they're all yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save now, save now. They all believed that he was the Messiah. The Pharisees said, teacher, tell them, do you hear what they're saying? Tell them to be quiet. That's blasphemy. And he said, if they are silent, the rocks will cry out. Because of that great day when all of, the, all of creation looking to be redeemed is being redeemed. He's coming in to, to save the world. All that God has said is being prophesied and finished in this moment. Verse 13 of chapter 8. Did we pray yet? I thought so. The Pharisees therefore said to him, You bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. What do you say? Listen to me. These are the religious authorities. I've been living my life, and I don't like the way that the Bible says that. I've been following this, and I don't like the way the Bible says that. Look at our world today that's under strong delusion. Listen, the Bible is clear. There's no gray areas. God speaks, and those who want to hear can hear it. Yet, you know what what the number one person is in the seminaries around the world today is? It's a woman. I'm not picking on a woman, but a woman is not supposed to have headship over a man. It's about a covering. You're like, how did he get there? Because our world is doing the same thing that the church here did, is that they're ignoring God's word. They're creating their own religious system, and they're following it. And anybody that's still following the Bible, they're the ones that have to be done away with. Anybody that's still following what God said is the one that has to be killed. Death culture. We have to get rid of these bigoted churches that are racist, and they won't let women be pastors. Listen, I'm not being mean. We're gonna, if you come with us on Friday night, when, when, when the king, Josiah, is freaking out because they found the book of the law, what does he do? He sends to a prophetess, to a woman, to get an answer about what's going on. Why? Because of apostasy. There's no man available. Because men are not doing what they should be doing. The same thing that happened in the garden. There was no man available protecting Eve, so the devil 
deceived her. And God blames it on Adam. He doesn't blame it on Eve. The woman is supposed to be protected. She's not supposed to be out front teaching the word of God like that. Sorry, I'm just telling you, we're coming up with a religious system where if God shows up, we will kick him out of the building. Listen to me. How do these buildings fill up? How do these buildings have 5,000 people in them weekly? I'm not telling you that every church that has 5,000 in it is not teaching the Word of God. But when you have a me-centered and a you-centered, and how can I win the American dream and do better and be blessed and prosper, and it's all about you, you have a system like this one here that was only designed to make the people who were leading it rich, to make them in more power, more control. Does this sound familiar? Well, it should because it's just like the one world government. It's the same thing that our politicians are doing. All they care about is making more money for them, more power for them, more for them and controlling the people. And that's the same thing that's going on in the culture church or the culturanity church or the false church that the Antichrist is leading. But the true people that see the light of the world and follow Jesus, they will get into the word of God and ask the spirit of God to lead them into all truth. Because that's what he's here for. And they will receive the message of the gospel. You know what? It hurts sometimes. Well, wait a minute. That's not fair. I've been taught all my life. Well, you've been taught by the devil all your life. It was designed to make you mad at God. It was designed to make you hate God. It was designed to make you see the truth, see the light, and go, no, I'm going the way I want to go. And to walk away from God and walk away from the truth. It's designed like that. The devil is not stupid. And he knows how to get you, but God has laid before you blessing and curse. You can choose. He's a gentleman. He's not going to force it upon you. Nobody said it was an easy life, although we're preaching in the churches today that it's a real easy life. Just come to Jesus and he'll give you all kinds of money and all kinds of wealth and all kinds of houses, all kinds of things. He'll take care of you. You'll be healthy and wealthy and wise. That's not the gospel. It's just not the gospel. If it was, Jesus would have had a big house. He'd have had more than one change of clothing. He didn't need but one. He wouldn't have said foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. This is not his home. This is not where he's from. He's from above. We're down here. He, he humbled himself and came down here where we live at to save us from this. And we chase it harder than anything else we're chasing. We go after it like this is what is light and life, and this is what's going to feed our soul. Instead of going after Jesus and following him and receiving the inheritance of life, we stay in our dark corners and stay in our shadows, and we stay in the valley, and we say, oh, I'm okay, I'm saved, that's me, man, don't judge me, man. And we harden our heart the same way that the children of Israel did, the same way that the nation of Israel did. Let's finish our point. They came in. Save now! Save now! Within a week, the religious authority convinced them 
to cry out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. How long does it take you to kill the word of God? How long does it take you? After, oh, I got saved and this is great. This is fantastic. I'm going to run this race. And then all of a sudden you're like, nah, I don't really want to be a Jesus freak. I just wanted to get saved. So I said a prayer. Now I'm going to do whatever I want to do. How long does it take for you to say, crucify the light of the world? Be careful because there's only two choices. If you choose not to follow Jesus, you choose Barabbas. And Barabbas means son of the father, but it's the other father. Now, in case you missed it, because we teach for so long and it's broken up so long and it takes me weeks to get through chapter 8, father is used 21 times in chapter 8, in case you miss it. Because this is all about who your father is. This is all about who your authority is. This is all about your life and the evidence of your witness because of who your father is. And there's no way to know the father in heaven unless you come through Jesus. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. And no one can come to the Son unless the Father draws him. Listen to me. Very important that you know who your Father is because these religious authorities that are given witness right here and telling Jesus, you're a liar, we don't believe you, you're testifying of yourself. He's getting ready to tell them that their Father is the devil. He's getting ready to tell them that their works prove out that if they, if, if, if they would believe him, then their father was in heaven. But since they don't know the father in heaven, they don't know the son who is the heart of God. The exact representation, fulfilling prophecy. So the very Pharisees are saying, you're just bearing witness of yourself. Do you know that you do not? Does anybody have to tell me when it's daylight outside? Does anybody need a witness to light? Only a blind man needs witness to what light is, or fire, because that's what this word means. It's a consuming fire. Man, I, I know when God's dealing with me. I know when God says, judge yourself, lest you be judged. But he's not judging me in order to kill me and condemn me. He's judging me so that I will walk in the light as he is in the light and restore fellowship with him. He's a consuming fire. That's why he loves us so much. That's why he says, get into the word. That's why he says, go and preach the word of God. That's why he died for us, because he loves us. Not because he's mad at us. He's not mad at us at all. He's not even mad when you sin and blow it. You can't just move God's emotions like that. That's some type of weird stuff. God's not mad at you. He's not disappointed with you. How do I know? Because when I'm disappointed with people, what did I have? expectation God doesn't have expectation when you know everything already that happens and it has happened and it's going to happen how can you have expectation see God's already there he already knew what you were going to do and he still loved you he still died for you he still called you and he doesn't want you to stay there he wants you to judge yourself and say Lord I need help and get into the word, prayer, and fellowship and be led by the Holy Spirit and walk in the light. But don't harden your heart like these did who thought they were okay. They didn't need a doctor. I'm good now. I said a prayer. I can go sort my socks. Listen, that's not the gospel. If you've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus, you're not your own anymore. You have been filled with the Holy Spirit who wants to use your life, use everything about you to go out and save other people. You don't go back and keep doing what you were doing like a dog that returns to his vomit. You go forward. 
So they look at God, light. He says, I'm the light of the world. They have nothing they can accuse him of. They have nothing they can say bad about him. They have nothing at all they can say, and they go, that's not true. Remind you of anything in the world today? They just tell you it's not true, but they don't give you evidence it's not true. They do it every day on the news. You see it on the news. That's not true, and they just move on. They tell you what is true, and then they just move on, but they don't give you any evidence. That's the world that's underneath the sway of the wicked one. You cannot extinguish the light. If you are walking in the light, you will see the truth. You don't need the world to tell you the truth with their earthly, central, demonic wisdom and their false light. You can tell the difference. Jesus answered them. Listen to what Jesus answered them. They said, that's not true. You bear witness of yourself. Well, let me tell you what it means. Witness is the word... um, He said in the King James, barest record. It means to testify, to give evidence, to give testimony. That's why I'm telling you that our lives, our very works, what we're doing, how we're living, what we pursue, what we're occupied with, gives witness of who we actually have as a father. Because there's only one thing on God's heart. And that is the salvation of souls. That's the only thing. He gave his son to save souls. Listen, Jesus says to them in verse 14, he answered and said to them, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. Now notice, if we stop there, no, it's true because I said it's true. That's not what he said. Look what he says. For I do, or excuse me, I know, it's the word I do, remember? This is the word where we believe in Jesus. It's I do. I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from and where I am going. Now, I just want you to see just for a moment here, just really clearly, before we actually look at what's going on, Jesus is trying to lead them. He's trying to reason with them. You know what their next question should be? Where'd you come from? Where were you born? See, he's trying to lead them to actually ask the right questions in order to wake them up, and they won't. Listen, he says, I know where I come from, and I know where I'm going because he knows everything. He's God in the flesh. Their problem is is that they think he was born in Nazareth, and they don't understand that he was born in Bethlehem. But they still don't ask the question. You're going to see they ask three questions and they're all bad questions because of their hard heart, because they want to kill him, because their mind's already made up, because they already have hardened their heart to the point where they don't want to find out if he is really Jesus, the Messiah that saves the world. They're trapped where they're at because of their own decisions. Listen to me, it's very important because God doesn't want us to be there. God does not want to confirm our hearts. God wants us to surrender, humble ourselves, deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow after him. He wants to set the captives free. He doesn't want us doing the will of the devil and walking around in culturanity with a false hope, thinking that we're okay. See, if we believe in Jesus, you and I should know right now where we're from and where we're going. Listen, where we're from and where we're going, we should know that. 
We should know that we were born sinners with a sin nature. And because of the blood of Jesus, now we're going to heaven and we're citizens of heaven. That just like we bore the image of the first Adam, we are going to bear the image of the second Adam. We should know these truths. But we should also know how that happens in surrender and continuing to know that. Not making up some new truth. I remember when I first got saved and, and my wife's grandma and grandpa, and they didn't go to church anymore. They quit going to church. They used to play music in church. Listen to me. This is very important because you have to continue, abide, and remain. They have once got saved. They have once been in the church. They played music on the radio all across the nation, the whole family. And I got saved. And I could tell you a lot of stories about me getting saved. But we were in the hospital visiting her grandpa and I was saying something about my testimony because that's what I lead with is being a drug addict and, and, and all the things that happened in my life being in prison. And, and you know what they said? Their response is as Christians, oh, you were not. That was their response. Oh, you were not. And I'm like, and then they said they don't go to church because they don't want what the church has to offer anymore. They're letting everybody in. See, this is the system that the flesh will build if we judge according to the flesh instead of judge with the word of God in righteousness. We will not let people in because of what they look like on the outside. And Jesus died for everyone. You don't deny that God does work. That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I'm not telling you whether they're in heaven or not. I don't know. I can't judge where somebody's at by one conversation. But I can sure judge what you know about the Word of God and believe about God by one conversation. Not by your appearance. By the words that come out of your heart. Listen. And you need to do that. This text is not about judging people. This text is about judging your own life. Are you going to harden your heart or are you going to follow the light? Are you going to allow the Father in heaven who has brought such great redemption and saved your soul and wants to be for eternity with you in fellowship, which starts today? If you walk in the light today, you can walk in the light then. But if you keep walking in darkness now, it reveals your witness that you really are not a child of the light. It reveals that you don't believe. Not about your works. I must always make that disclaimer because somebody will say, well, he's preaching a works gospel. No, I'm preaching an evidence-based faith. If you have true faith, it will come out in where you go and what you do, how you're moved with godly fear and reverence and you begin to prepare and to make plans and figure out what God has for you and how do I go about this in life because that behind me, I'm forgetting about. And I'm going to press on and upward so that I can lay hold of that for which God laid hold of me. Do you care why God laid hold of you? He wants to give you an inheritance. He wants to give you a hope in the future. You can't keep going in the same direction and say that I believe in God. It doesn't happen. The Spirit of God will not allow it. 
So he says here, 14, I know where I come from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from and where I am going. Isn't that pretty powerful? See, they're still trying to guess. There's no prophet that raised in Nazareth. Read the scriptures, they said to Nicodemus. They were ready to kill their own because of this. Look at all the witnesses that he's already given them. They sent people to ask, who are you to John the Baptist? He says, I'm not him, but there's one coming after me. They knew the scriptures. They're teaching the scriptures. There's so many witnesses that have already been there. Again, think about this. Our sciences that were being taught in the world today. Why are they not believable? Because they don't know. I mean, they might be 100 years old, smartest scientists on the planet, but they still don't know. They've only had 100 years. Oh, no, we've studied this out, and it's primordial goop, primordial soup. We come from evolution. This is what we need to understand, and you have to teach it in your schools. Evolution. That's where we come from. Really? Think about this for a minute. This is what God's saying. He knows everything. He knows the, the innermost depths of your heart. He's fearfully and wonderfully made you in your mother's womb. He loves you with a never-ending love. And yet we will listen to the darkness of the world. Now listen, it sounds really bright. It sounds great if you don't know God. But it is so dark that it leads you away from the light. Oh, we're evolution? Really? Really? I mean, think about it for a minute. And that's what he's saying to them. You don't know nothing compared to what there is to know. And you need to humble yourself, not stand there in pride because you've changed the entire law, the entire religious system I laid down for you was looking forward to this day when the Messiah would stand here to come and die for the sins of the world. And you are going to call me a liar? Listen to what he's saying to them. Because listen, you can, you can say a lot of things to Jesus. What is it, Matthew 12, 31? You can blaspheme Jesus. You really can. But the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, man. And the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the only reason that somebody would not go to heaven. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which is to either say that the work of the Holy Spirit is a lie, that it's not real, or to never receive the testimony of the Holy Spirit, the witness of the Holy Spirit that comes along and testifies that Jesus is Lord, that comes along and testifies that you're a sinner and you need a Savior. And if you reject that, there's no other Savior. Listen to me. There's an entire system. 1 John 5, 19. I know, I do. That's what that is in the Greek. I do. I know that you are of God, but the entire world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. 1 John 5, 19. Who are you following? Who sways your thoughts? Who leads you? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. So there's all kinds of knowledge out there that's earthly, sensual, demonic, and it leaves God out. 
and it wants you to never come to God. And so it tells you all of these things, and they call this is light. This American dream is what you need. This is exactly what you need to chase. This is exactly what you need to have. You need to have two and a half kids and, and this and that and the other thing and three figures. And it tells you what's going to make you happy and what's going to be good for you. And it's bled all the way into the church to where the church pursues that harder than they do walking in the light. Harder than they do laying hold of that for which Christ laid hold of me. And we have no idea. No idea unless we come to the light. Unless we begin to get into the word of God. Because God says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. And everything you need to know is in this book. It really is. You can put all your eggs in one basket. Listen, if your children grow up in this world and never do anything, it's okay as long as they know Jesus. The number one thing is to train them in the way they're supposed to go. But the world wants you training them everything else. Think about it now. We're a bunch of old fogies, most of us. In the schools, they're teaching them about inclusion. They're teaching them in kindergarten, handing out condoms. They're teaching them about everything that you could ever imagine. They don't care about you and me anymore. They're after the next generation. And I'm not talking about every school. The Midwest, a lot of the stuff that I talk about doesn't happen as much in the schools as it does in other states as it does in California, as it does in Canada, as it does in the world. The Midwest still has enough teachers and people that says, no, that's not going to happen here. But it's coming here. It's, it's here in certain places. It's here more and more and more every day. Because it's the spirit of this world. I better move on or we'll never get this done. Fifteen. Jesus speaking, light of the world, the one who knows everything, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. You judge, Crino, according to the flesh, Sarks, it's your flesh, I judge no one. Now, why is he saying that? Because right now he's come to save. Everybody's already condemned. He's coming to save. Next time he comes, it will be as a judge. Right now, he's not judging anyone. What he's doing is giving you a chance to be set at liberty. He's setting the captives free. He's shining light in this dark world and saying, here I am. You can choose me. I'm going to die for you. And you have to make a decision. And he's saying that they're judging by his flesh. How does he know that? Because they're judging by, they're, they're, the rumor is, is that you were born out of wedlock. They'll get to it in a little bit. You were born out of wedlock. You're testifying of yourself. Our law says that it has to be by the mouth of two or three witnesses. And they're judging him according to the flesh and not according to the word of God. Because if they were looking at the word of God, the prophecies of God, the timing of God, everything they needed to know about a relationship with God, they would know that he was the Messiah. And some do. Some do. Remember when we looked at the, uh, what we call the, the testimony of Christmas and we've seen uh, Anna and Simeon in the temple? 
And they knew when he was still this little bitty baby, it was the Lord's Messiah. Because they were listening to what God was saying. They weren't listening to the government. They weren't listening to the religious authorities. They had a personal relationship with God. And the Lord had said to Simeon, you will not perish until you see the Lord's Messiah. They knew the timing. There's always a remnant that knows the timing. This is not something about being a separatist. This is not something about having special knowledge. This is about having the Spirit of God and trying to have a relationship with God because He's not hiding from us. He wants us to come and draw near to Him, and He will draw near to us. But people want to turn it into some special knowledge and some special, you, you got to say a special name and a special prayer and a special this, and you got to come and buy my 10 videos. The gospel's for anybody who will come. How do you know if you're the called? Come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Have you come to the light? Are you still walking in darkness? Are you still judging everything by your own earthly, central, demonic wisdom? By what you think you know. That's what they're doing right now. They've walked away from God. Now they're using their own system to judge God when He come in the flesh. They've walked away from Him, and now they've made up their own little parameters, and He's not following them. He didn't go to their Hebrew high. He didn't do what they wanted Him to do. So now we got to crucify him. Listen, don't you want God to take your position? They didn't. Listen, unless you want God to take your position, you have no substitutionary debt. He's taken our position. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you, let it, if you stay, I'm hanging on to my position. I'm hanging on to my life. You'll lose it all. But if you give him your position, see, they hung on. Hard hearts, pride, we've made this up. I've got it figured out. It's been handed down to me. Can't have my position, Jesus. Lord, take my position. I don't need one. Drives me crazy when I see somebody come into the church and all they're looking for is a position. You know what they do? They'll perform and pretend until they get the position and then they won't do nothing but say, look at me. It's the saddest thing on the planet. I've seen it for 25 years. Sorry, I've seen it for 25 years. They're the ones that destroy churches. They're the ones that, that, that go out and talk bad about pastors. They're the ones that, that look at everybody else and say, look what they're doing instead of surrendering and going out and being a light and being a witness to other people. They destroy churches. They blame everybody else for everything. And that's the same thing again, the world. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. Isn't that what Adam and Eve said? Without salvation, without God, I'm a victim. It's that woman you gave me. It was the devil that made me do it. I'm a victim. God's taking your position. You don't have to be a victim. You don't have to blame anybody. You can surrender and rest and have peace and tell everybody that now you're an overcomer. That you're overwhelmingly more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus because he's did abundantly, exceedingly more than you could ever hope for or ask. And you need to find out what it is. Not harden your heart. Because that witness is clear. When you're given testimony and you're witness and you're, you have shut up on your mouth because you're not saying anything, it's obvious that you're not living for God. It's obvious that you're not really doing anything but warming hands. I'm not speaking to anybody in the room. I'm speaking to the church. I'm speaking the word of God. 
I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to walk out my gifting and try to be faithful in teaching. And I can tell you, I'm halfway scared to death when I come up here because of the fear of God. This is not my word. Look, if you see me with 20 pages of notes, that's because I'm scared to death and I don't know what to say. But I haven't looked at them because I'm trusting the Lord by faith because I know He will fill my mouth when I get up here. But I'm writing all that. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about this. Let's go over here. My goodness. It, the, to think that we could actually talk about God's Word without Him? That makes no sense. And yet they're doing it everywhere. And I'm not speaking against God's true church. I'm not laying my hand on His bride. Where are we at? We ran out of time an hour ago. And then he goes on. See, he says, I judge no one. In verse 16, he says, and yet, if I do judge, my judgment is true. It, look at this. This is the light. He can say what he wants to say. He's God in the flesh. It's true when he judges, for I am not alone. Are you alone today? When you make your decision about the next thing that's going to happen in your life, maybe it's where you're going to eat today. Are you alone? Do you understand that that decision you make is affecting other people? Oh, yeah, I went to the other side of it. This side is God's with me, and He'll never leave me nor forsake me. But the other side where you're dealing with people and you're a witness and giving testimony is that you're affecting other people and you're not alone in that decision. See, that's the way I used to live life. As long as I'm not stepping on anybody else's toes, as long as I'm not in your face, you can't say nothing about what I do. I get to do what I want. It's my life. Well, that was real selfish. It was also real destructive, and it also led to death. But once you get saved, you have to be concerned first about your own soul and then about your neighbor because we're witnesses. And if we're becoming Christ-like, Christ cares about your neighbor. Christ cares about everybody's soul. Christ died to save those souls. So he says, I don't, yet if I do judge, I would judge it would be true because I know everything. I don't have any need for anybody to tell me about man. I already know what's in your heart, Greg. For I am not alone, but I am, notice he says I am, that's with the Father who sent me. Have you been sent? Is the Holy Spirit with you? Are you going where you were sent or are you doing your own thing? Listen, when you come to salvation, you're sent to the world. It's no longer you get to go where you want to go. Now listen, there's a general because there's a general nature, there's a general witness where well this is where I work. So this is a no this is a no-brainer. I go to work every day. But God already knew that and he's sovereign and he knows where you work at. So he knows you're going there, but the conversation and the person that walks up at the water fountain, that's godly. That's God doing that. He wants you to speak to them. He doesn't want you just to nod at them and go, how you doing? And keep moving. He sent you there as a light. That's your mission field. That's the place where you're supposed to be sharing. Now, don't steal from your boss. Just share when you can. But let it be different. Let it be a witness. He knows he's not alone. Jesus knows he was sent. Even though he is one with the Father, 
Even though he is God in the flesh, he understands that he's being a witness for you and me and that he was sent with somebody with more authority in that sense as being the Messiah. He has to fulfill the plan because of obedience that he, he can't sin. It is also written in your law, so he's going to let them know it's written in your law. Notice how the your is. I circled your. Did you guys ever circle your? How Jesus speaks to them and talks about their law? I mean, God gave it to Moses. Moses gave it to them. But when you switch it and you change it and you maneuver it and you make it easier to do because of a religious situation, it becomes yours now. It's not God's law anymore because you've already modified it so much. That's why we say sometimes that it's not God's church. That's not God's church because they're not doing what God called them to do. And he says, your temple. It's not God's temple because in the temple, they're not worshiping God. So when you say, my witness, and I'm doing my own thing, and this is what I'm doing, and you don't have to, and don't, and uh, uh, see, we're the temple of God now. And if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, going where you're supposed to be going, you're not surrendering and getting into the word, prayer, and fellowship, and, and living by faith, then really, it's still your temple. It's not God's. No matter how much you think you're saved, you're being deceived. And self-deception is very ugly because you'll remain in it because you think you're okay. But the Word of God gives you a plumb line. These people are not the plumb line, but they're stepping up to Jesus and going, we're the boss around here. We're the plumb line. You're not doing what we said, so we say you're a liar. What's your plumb line? Well, the Word of God is a little tainted. And, you know, they've changed it so much. And it's written by men. And now they've got all these different variations of it. What's your plumb line? You're going to hem haul around or do you have a plumb line? Is it the word of God? Did God say? Listen, this is about who your father is. This is about who your authority is. This is about whether you're following the light of the world or still living in darkness. And God's working it out with us. He's reasoning with us. He wants us to move toward, but you have to come to your senses like the prodigal son did. When you come to your senses, you can begin to move toward. So he, te he tells them about it written in their law. Testimony of two men is true. And so he says, I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. So he gives them two witnesses. He's light. He's truth. And the Father, and, and the Father bears witness with the works. He's already given them this. If you remember in chapter 5, we went through a bunch of this, where, where the works I do, the, the Father's the witness, uh, the very things that I do, you can see Nicodemus come in and said, uh, a good teacher, we know you're from God because no one could do these signs unless you were from God. They already know. They've already discussed all these things, but they've already concluded in their hearts that he's not the Messiah and that they're not going to surrender. They've already made a decision to, to, to live this way. And you can go look. I don't know if we did it last week, but Deuteronomy 17.6, 19.15 tells us these things about uh, uh, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a matter be established. In fact, Jesus uses it. Doesn't he? In Matthew, I forget the, the where it's at, but he says, um, where there are two or three gathered together in my name. Well, his name is his character, his nature, his authority in his name. There I am in the mist. He's with them. So you can put a bunch of people in a room and you can go, that's a church over there. 
But if they're not gathered according to his authority, according to his name, to teach his word, to become like him, then he's not in the midst. He's not there. That's just some, some system that's, that's, that's operating that's supposed to be a church, but it's not really a church. It's not really a church because, you know, the church is this. It's called the ecclesia. It's called the called out ones. Been called out from chasing the world. Been called out from death sentence and been given life and have entered into mission and gone out to be witnesses for Jesus. That's the ecclesia that knows that this is not our home and my citizenship is in heaven. That knows that I am being sanctified and cleansed and I'm being washed clean by the work of the word of God and the spirit of God. I don't continue in my sin, chasing and doing what I want, making up my own standards, my own plumb line. That's pure religion and sin nature on its own. It's the synagogues of Satan. We begin to do what the Word of God says if we're truly saved and believe in Jesus and we're having fellowship in the light as He is in the light. Now, does that mean that everybody that believes is perfect? Only positionally. Only positionally. We all got sin. We all got problems. We all got issues we need to cancel. We're all being perfected. We're all running a race. Nobody has crossed the line. Even Paul said there in Philippians 3, I have not attained, but one thing I do, forgetting that which is behind me and pressing on toward the higher call of God in Christ Jesus. Notice it's in Christ Jesus. Not in the world, not in the backyard, not in my own esteem, in Christ Jesus my Lord. What does he want you to do? He wants you to walk in the light. He wants you to quit hardening your heart. He wants you to quit making up old wise fables and things and start reading the Word of God and learn the Word of God and base your life upon what He says when you hear His voice and follow Him. Do you know that everything, Bera ex nihilo, heard the voice of God and formed, moved, whew, went into place. The waters were divided. The firmament, it, it, it all listened. That only you and I have a free will to not obey. He didn't give the planet free will to not obey. When he spoke, heavens and earth were created. He spoke, it all moved into place. It obeyed the voice of God. Only free will agents can ignore the word of God. It's your choice because he doesn't want robots. He wants people that will choose to follow him. And if you choose that, then he will create in you a heart like his. So verse 19, even though he's leading them to it, they don't get it. He's trying to lead them. They said to him, where is your father? Listen, I'm just telling you, I, I, I'm not a very smart man, but I would want to know, where were you born? The Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. Where were you born? But see, they already know by the flesh of Mary and Joseph. They know his brothers are there with him and his sisters. They're all there. They're running around in the streets also, but they don't ask where he was born. We're going to see it again with the Antichrist. Everybody just receiving Instead of Christ. Here's the question. Where is your father? 
Now notice he doesn't answer them. Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. He doesn't say where he's at. He will in a minute. He'll tell him, I'm from above. If you had known me, you would have known the father also. Listen, if they'd have been in the word, if they'd have been looking and searching and following and obeying what the word of God said, they would have known the father. And they would have been ready for the Messiah. They would have accepted him and not rejected him. I was thinking about you know, that Noah text. It was so funny. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Do you guys ever do that to God? And I could be wrong, but this morning as I was looking at it, I go, that's weird. I never noticed that before, that the unclean animals on the ark was speaking of the Gentiles that would come in later. That's I mean, that's just what I thought. There's clean animals and unclean. Now, we were not allowed in, but then later we come in. Anyway, and so we were still on the boat. I, I don't know where that came from, but it, there it is. Throw it out. You can throw it out. You don't have to like it. Where is your father? Do you know where your father's at? It's your father in heaven. That's how Jesus taught us to pray. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He's showing us position. He's showing us everything. Where's your father at? Do you know the father? See, because this is what this is all about, is coming to know the father. John 17, 3. I I keep getting way ahead of myself, but he's going to say the same thing again. Let me read this to you. If you want to know what eternal life is. John 17, 3. Jesus prays, asks the Father to restore him. And he says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Are you coming to know in relationship? He said to Thomas in 14, he's going to say to Thomas, Have I been with you so long and you don't know me? Because Thomas goes, well, show us the Father, and it's sufficient for us, Lord. And he says, have I been with you so long, and you don't know me? They're one. One in purpose. They're one and the same. Three, three in one God. Same God, three in one. Different representations, different time as we need them. Can't explain it. There's even people that attack that. Oh, you're one of those Trinity churches. How huh? You serve three gods? No. No, one God, three different persons. I can give you some terrible analogies for it. An egg has a shell, it has a white, it has a yolk. Still an egg. Me, I'm a, I'm a grandpa, I'm a dad, I'm a husband. I'm still the same person. I can wear different hats and yet still be the same person doing the same thing at the same time. All in unity. Terrible analogies to compare to God. And then we're given the information, verse 20. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. Think about that for a minute, a powerful statement of him being God. In the most populated place in the temple, the women's court, where the treasury's at, where their heart was at, really, because that's what they were worried about, their money, and no one could lay hands on him. Nobody, because he's God, and it's not his time yet. 
He's in control of everything. In fact, you're indestructible until God's finished with you. You don't have to walk around in fear. You don't have to be thinking all these crazy thoughts. You can go out and be a witness and live for God because he's called you with a purpose. He's called you with a reason. He's called you and you should be laying a hold of it. You should be looking to do it and walk and be led by the Spirit. You don't have to be afraid. Then Jesus said to them, Again, I am going away and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. That's a very sad statement. Of course, he's talking about going to the cross, death, burial, and resurrection, ascending into heaven, setting down, and where everybody that believes in him is seated in heavenly places with him in Christ Jesus. That's a positional salvation. He's talking about that. He's telling them, I'm getting ready to go away. Well, they say in their pride, them being the plumb line, figuring it out themselves in their earthly, central, demonic wisdom, they don't have the spirit of God. They say, the Jews, 22, will he kill himself because he says, where I go, you cannot come? Think about this. They considered suicide that the people who commit suicide would go to the lowest depths of hell. Listen to me. And they're, and they're so prideful. They're so full of their own selves that they, that's the only place that they could ever think that somebody would go that they would never go. I would never do that. I would never go where that's going. They must be talking about killing himself because we would never go to the lowest depths of hell. They thought so much of themselves and their, and their own little religious system that they couldn't even figure out what he was saying. It's sad. But he had just told them that there's two paths. There's death and there's life. And by the way, the suicide thing is wrong. If you're in Christ, Christ already paid for all your sins. So blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, once again, is the only unpardonable sin. People always are, oh, well, what if I do this or what if I do that? It's not unpardonable. Christ already paid for all your sins. The question is, is that, is if Christ gave you life, why would you not want to live it? If Christ gave you life, why would you not want to pursue witnessing to others and be in the light of the world that he sent you to be? giving testimony of such a freedom freely because we know if they kill us, we get to go be with Jesus. So in their pride, they couldn't even figure out where he could go that they couldn't get to him because they thought they had access to everything. But you're going to see more self-deception, more flesh. They're going to say in the, in the next week, and God willing, that they've never been in bondage. And they're under Roman rule right now. The Romans tell them what to do, and they're going to make a statement like that. I've never, we've never been in bondage before. Doesn't that sound like the church today? We're free to do whatever we want. We're not in bondage. And then Jesus is going to tell them, you're a slave to whatever you're practicing. You're a slave to whatever you're doing. And if it's not following the light, then you're a slave to death. There's only two roads here. Look what he said. I'm going away, 
You're going to look for me. You're going to keep pursuing me, even though you're not listening. See, because if you don't receive the witness now, if you don't receive the witness of the light, if you don't receive what he's saying, you'll keep looking for God. You'll keep looking for the right way, but you'll never find it because you've rejected the only true Messiah. You've committed to blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. They'll keep practicing their little religion, but they're going to die in their sin because the wages of sin is death. And you can't go where he's going because he's going back to heaven. And we just read earlier that there's not going to be any liar or any sin go into heaven. And he said to them, so he explains it to them since he knows what they're thinking. He knows what's going on. He knows what's going through their hearts. You are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am, your Bible has a he, it's in italics, cross it out. You can take it out anytime you see it in italics. He's saying that he's God. He, if you do not believe, he's saying clearly to him, if you do not believe I am that I am, I am the becoming one, I'm the self-existing one, I'm God in the flesh. He says, if you don't believe that, you will die in your sins. Because you have to believe, pistio, and trust your spiritual well-being into Christ or you will die in your sins. There's only two paths. There's Christ and everything else, which is darkness. He's the only light. He's the only Messiah. He's the only hope. He's the only one that is anointed by God, the Mashiach, to die for our sins. But look what he told them. And it's the same thing for us until we come to salvation. We are from beneath. See, he came from heaven. He's never been born down here in, 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 in under Adam. He's, he's from the Father. He was born of a virgin birth. He's from heaven. He's born of the Spirit. He's not born of the earth. He wasn't made of clay. Oh, I know, 100% man, 100% God. But he's from his citizenship, his life, everything about him is from heaven. He was sent as a gift to the world to die for the sins of the world. But you and I were born down here. And until you come to salvation... This is still, your sin nature is still your home. Your sin nature is still your inheritance. Your death is still your inheritance. And if we don't come to Jesus and believe in Jesus, now listen to me because somebody's going to say, well, we've already done that. Why are you preaching another sermon to us, Pastor? Listen, if your direction hasn't changed, you really haven't come to Jesus. You can't keep walking in darkness and living the same way you always have and say that I have the Spirit of God in me. You can't keep going the same way and say I've repented, I've changed my mind, I've turned the other direction and turned back to God. It just doesn't happen. It has to be a surrender, a death to self. It's the gospel. I'm just preaching it to you. I'm reading it. If we're still living like we're from down here, then we're still from down here. If we're citizens of heaven, then we begin to press on, press upward, lay hold of, run a race to win, 
allow the word of God and the spirit of God to sanctify and cleanse us with the washing of the water through the word and begin to die to self instead of reap an inheritance of death. Two roads, that's it. 25, they said to him, who are you? Now listen, they said, where is your father? Who are you? They're asking the wrong questions because of their physical flesh, because they don't want to give up their power and pomp and position. They don't want to give up their religious system and what they believe. You have to be willing to give up everything to go with Jesus. He's not going to reveal himself to you unless you need a doctor. They don't need a doctor. They've already got everything under control. They're just trying to deal with what's interrupting their life. They don't want new life. Do you want new life? Do you understand that you were in death? That the wages of sin is death? That your sin nature is leading you to hell? Who are you? Now this is an authority question. Jesus said to them, just what I have been saying to you from the beginning. From the beginning of this discourse, I'm the light of the world. From the beginning of creation. The origins. Genesis. Listen, I, I can't. Who are you is a question of authority. Where do you get your authority? It's the same question the devil said to Eve. Did God really say? Who are you? There's a classic rock song that has this rebellion in it. Anybody know who it is? The who? Who are you? Listen, because it's about authority. This is what the devil wants us to do is reject authority. And God is our covering. God is our authority. His word, the light of the world is our authority. And we have to put our eggs in one basket. You can't keep saying, I choose this part of the word, but I ignore this part of the word. I think I said a prayer, so I'm okay. They're saying, who are you? Where do you get your authority to do this? That song is really crazy because even that I can remember the lyrics is crazy. And this is what he says. I woke up this morning in someone's doorway. A policeman knew my name. He said, you can go sleep at home tonight if you can get up and walk away. And he said, who are you? Who gives you the authority to tell me what I can do because you found me in somebody's doorway. Which doorway are you in? See, these are demonic songs. That's why I tell people, you have to stop listening to rock and roll music. They're written by demons so that you will worship the lie. They're leading you somewhere. They're preaching to your soul. There's a doorway that we're standing in. And the question is, is who are you? Either you're the light of the world or I am lost. If Jesus isn't enough for you, all of these songs are demonic. They're demonic. And people go, no, you can still listen to secular music. No, you need to turn from the secular world that's preaching to your soul. And you need to understand that this is the light of the world. That's all a lie. I know pastors that play secular songs in bands and they think it's okay. Those songs are demonic. They're preaching to your soul. The devil led to praises in heaven. And that's why he wanted the praise of God and said, I will be like the most high God. And he, that's why we sing songs in Sunday school, because we're made to worship. And singing is one type of worship. But the witness is the greatest type of worship. Instead of asking God, who are you? You should be saying, who am I? 
and you should know the answer that I'm a sinner that's saved by grace and I need to repent and have a series of repentances in my life that continue every day. I'm changing my mind because I'm growing in the light. I'm growing in the truth. That's what the rest of your life is, is a series of repentances because you keep learning more truth and you keep dying to self and you keep repenting and you're not questioning his authority anymore or believing the lies of the devil. Impossible to walk in the light if you continue to pursue the world and think that it has wisdom. It has no wisdom. They want to know where he gets his authority. Crazy questions. Where's your father? Who are you? And Jesus said just what I've been saying to you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. See, he's, he's on a, a mission, save the world. God has told him what to do. He's not here to judge. He's here to save, and he's doing exactly what the Father told him. Many times we go places, and we do a whole lot more than what we're told to do by God. He's saying, I'm doing exactly what I, I've got many things I could say. I've got many things to judge, but it's not time right now because the Father sent me on mission to save that which was lost, to set the captives free. We'll do the judging later. Now is your decision. Are you going to choose to believe or choose to continue to follow and question and harden your heart as in the day of rebellion? They did not understand that he spoke to them of the Father. No, because they're carnal they're fleshly they want to keep their own position then jesus said to them when you lift up the son of man you will know that i am you can cross out he it's in italics and he's saying again to him i'm god when he said i am the light of the world he's saying i'm god when he said i am uh, uh, and the father who sent me he's saying i'm god every time he says i am he's saying i am god when you lift up the Son of Man, like 80 times Jesus uses this term about himself because it's messianic, then you will know that I am and that I do nothing of myself, but as the Father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do the things which please him. And listen, and we'll close this up. Here's the example. Jesus was sent. Everything that he did was by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's obeying by faith what God tells him, God the Father tells him to do. And then what happens? When he goes home, he asks the Father to send the Spirit to us. And now we're supposed to follow that example and know that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's always with us. But we're only supposed to do what we hear him say. We're only supposed to speak what he speaks. We don't add to or take away from the word of God, but we look to follow his example. So the man of God who looks into the word of God and sees the son of God is transformed by the spirit of God into the image of God for the glory of God. That's what we're supposed to be doing, looking for Jesus. He's going to bring us back by marriage to the Father. But when you see Jesus, you automatically know what the Father's like because it's his heart. He sent the Savior. He sent his Son. He sent the Spirit to do the work. And there's no darkness in him. And as he spoke this, look what happens. 
It says, verse 30, and he spoke these words, many believed in him. That's the word pistio again. It means to entrust your spiritual well-being into him. You can believe. But listen, you can believe. Listen, very scary. You can believe and not be set free. Demons believe. So just as he said, go and sin no more in verse 11, then he said how you can do that. You have to follow him. And just like he says here, many believe, he's going to say in verse 31 and 32, Jesus says to those Jews who believe, if, here it is, conditional, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What do their hard hearts say? We've never been in bondage to anyone. Listen, he gives us the condition, what to do after we believe. Abide in his word. Make his word our home. Make his word what he says, what he's doing. Everything about that, that's our new house if we're really in his family. But if we don't abide in his word, we're not his children. They had his word. They, they had it from the prophets. And they would always rebel against him. They would never do what he said to do. They would kill the prophets. We do the same thing now. We kill the word of God in our lives. That means that that's not our house and he has no place in us. We have to choose to obey the word of God and you have to ask the Holy Spirit to give you a desire for the word of God. And we have to remember that the word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And it leads us in all truth. And it's going to lead us to where the light is setting at in heaven. But if we're following some other light, we don't get to heaven. Be careful if you just say, I believe. I believe in Jesus. I know Jesus. Does he know you? Are you in his house? I was going to talk about the three questions, but I'm not. We'll cover it next week. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we know we're citizens of heaven. Thank you, Lord, for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Thank you for being a father to the fatherless. Thank you for adopting us. Thank you for sealing us with the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, give us a desire to draw near to you and to be conformed into your image. We know if we draw near to you, you'll draw near to us. Pour out your spirit, Lord. Have your way with us. Help us not to harden our hearts, but to continue to allow you to soften our hearts and to plant your word in our hearts and to conform us into your image for your glory for such a time as this. Wake us up, Lord. Set the captives free. Give us a desire to go and do what you've called us to do. No more, no less, what you've called us to do. Thank you for the privilege of being involved with such a great salvation. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you.
And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I am.